This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 198. I don't know. I just realized I wanted people coming to me yeah. to, right. pay, to pay me versus me trying to go get money from somebody else. So that was the epiphany. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, man? No, not much. How you doing? I'm 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 okay. <laughs> You're okay. Yeah, you've had a fun. Why are we oh. live in Josh's living room right now? I'm well, breathing. You, I'm breathing. You're I'm breathing. You, you're alive. Yeah. So yeah. Bruce, what, Baba. Good. What What's been going on in your life? Because I, I you have a fun story to tell. I don't know. Fun. Oh the right word. yeah, fun would be the antithesis of of <laughs> the story. But uh, I think it's fun being two thousand miles away. It makes me laugh. But yeah, well, you know. So last week we're having a great week at work and and doing our thing and receive a phone call. At it around four o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, telling us that we have to evacuate the building immediately due to a health and safety issue. And I was befuddled. I thought it was a practical joke. I said, surely you just actually, I said lots of swear words. I was <laughs> like, no. You swearing? No. <laughs> yes. And anyway, we were told to evacuate due to a health and safety issue from our, our landlord. And, and so we did. And they've been renovating our building. And it uh, turns out in so doing, they came across uh, some asbestos, another unit, uh, well, downstairs you know and so we yeah we had a vacate and we have no office right now we are homeless homeless. i am uh, we found a temporary space today's tuesday that was friday so it's been a crazy few days i have been very busy and suffice to say this has been a bit of a challenge but uh, here we are recording the bigger pockets podcast of course we are here in denver we we found a co-work space i believe that we'll be working out of until this whole situation could be sorted, but you got to be nimble. You got to be able to, to transition your business when things come up. And that's exactly what we've done. And, you know, we're up and going. So it's been a crazy three days. It's fe- it feels like it's been a month. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're OK. Yeah. Sorry for the long winded intro, but yeah, it's a cra- <laughs> crazy situation. Yeah. It sounds like fun. Thank you. Well, Brandon. speaking of crazy situations, let's get to today's you didn't, see that. you didn't see that coming because I didn't tell you the crazy situation. Now, oh, yeah. this, is a, this is a quick tip just from a story from my own life this week. We had a property that we went and looked at. The owners were asking $159,000 for this property. And we looked at it. We thought there's no way this is worth that. It sat on the market for six months, finally came off the market. We offered them seventy. And wow. uh, we negotiated and got $77,000 under contract. So my quick tip today is wow. you don't know people's motivations. So don't feel bad about offering. If it's really worth a low amount and that's where it makes sense to you, offer that. Like we ran our numbers and like using the bigger pockets rental property calculator. And uh, we, we ran our numbers. We came up with a number that worked for us. And my max was 80. I said, at 80, I can make a profit with this. No more. Yeah. And we offered them 70 and we negotiated 77. And so, yeah, don't feel bad about making low ball offers. You know, I'm not saying be weird about it, but. 
You know? Well, so what, what do you say to somebody who says, well, isn't that taking advantage of the seller? Isn't that you being a, a snake, a slime ball? Isn't that you being a terrible person? I mean, how <laughs> I mean, could you do such a thing? Yeah. And I think the answer is, I mean, it sat on the market for six months uh, and yeah. nobody wanted at the higher price. Like the market determines what a property is worth and yeah. the market determined it was not worth what they were asking. So right. I offered them the number that made sense for my business and they had the yep. choice to accept it and deny it or reject it and they accepted it because it worked right. for them and they they didn't actually care about the money they're trying to retire there's some health issues all they want to just get done with it and what actually convinced them at the end this is just a cool tip what actually convinced them was we said and and remember we can close this thing next week this isn't yeah. a three-month process two-month process we're not going to do a bunch of fancy loan things cash next week done and lady said really oh, oh that sounds great that'd be yeah. great to be done with this after six months of being on the market yeah, and and I think that's you know and this is the longest quick tip ever. This but, is you know, is. I I think that's typical. I mean, for somebody who's new, they they don't necessarily realize that people find themselves in in particular situations from time to time. Things happen. Whether it's these folks who just want to get out, a landlord who's got a property, they're just suffering and suffering from. I've been there, right? Yeah. Yep. Or you know, a fa- somebody going through a divorce or a death in the family, and you know, for them. They want nothing more than to move on. And so, you know, they have a right to accept it. They could have countered you and said, you know, we'll give it to you for 90 or 100. And you would have said no and you guys would have parted. But the reason they accepted was it worked for them. You were the guy who came in at the right time and they just wanted to get the hell out. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted out quick. So, again, go make some offers, guys. There you go. Make it happen. Cool. We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability. With Plaid certified tenant income and assets reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. All tenant screening and verification is paid by the tenant and done through the desktop and mobile app. It's time to say goodbye to gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. And as a matter of fact, all Bigger Pockets pros have Rent Ready included in your pro membership. If you're not a pro, Rent Ready is offering you 50% off of their annual plan. New customers visit rentready.com and use code BP2024. That's R E N T R E D I.com using code BP2024. That's VP, like Bigger Pockets, in the year 2024 to save 50% off of one year of Rent Ready. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. 
hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means? Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to R-E-L-A-Y-F-I.com slash BiggerPockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. All right, guys. So this is show 198 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 198. Before we bring in today's guest, guys, if you have not left us a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever else you are listening to this, or if you have not subscribed to the Bigger Pockets podcast, please jump in there and do that. Obviously, subscribing helps you and leaving us ratings and reviews helps us. So we definitely appreciate that. Let's get to the show. Today's guest, Eric Bolin. Eric is a real estate investor living in Texas, investing in Massachusetts, which is kind of the opposite of what we hear from a lot of people, you know, living in a cheaper market, investing in a more expensive one. We're going to get into that. But the coolest thing, he's built a, a lifestyle of financial independence at the age of 30, which is great. He's, he owns 26 rental units and he built it up through the Burr method, which we'll, we'll talk about. He's done lots of random strategies in there as well, but good guy, great story, very motivating. So definitely pay attention. There's lots of cool little tips in there. So, uh, Let's do this. Let's bring him on. What's going on, Eric? Welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have you. Uh, so I met Eric uh, at the Financial Bloggers Conference, FinCon, uh, just nice. a few weeks ago, and I was totally impressed by his story and the things that he's doing, some really kind of unique things. So uh, Eric, I'm excited to dig into that today. So why don't we begin there at the very beginning? How'd you get into this real estate thing? Like, What's your story? Yeah, so it's actually kind of interesting. I uh, I got into real estate by accident, actually. I uh, I was in grad school where I met my wife, and uh, we just wanted to buy a home. And around where I went to school, there's only multifamilies, but we wanted to be close to school. So we ended up buying a multifamily house. And nice. that's how I accidentally became a landlord, I guess. And um, nice. so I, I had an epiphany. didn't take very long. Basically, long story short, someone knocked on my door pretty late at night to pay me rent. And uh, I took the I took the rent, sat down, and I'm like, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. So I pay, pay up- rent at odd hours from strange <laughs> people in your house. I mean that that's I, I, that's not an epiphany I want. Hey, hey, Josh, hey, Josh, you sleeping? Yeah. Hey, hey, I'll pay you some rent. Is that kind of how it happened? Well, 
I don't know. I just realized I wanted people coming to me yeah. to, right. pay, to pay me versus me trying to go get money from somebody else. So that was the epiphany, not that it came at nine o'clock and then when I was trying to watch TV uh, okay. with my wife, you know, that, that wasn't the good part. That'd be fun though. I mean, we can have a party, right? There you go. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I actually remember that very first time I ever got rent also, like my very first rental house was a little duplex. And uh, yeah, I remember my mortgage was six twenty a month and they paid me six fifty in cash. And I was like, holy, it was that same epiphany. Like yeah. this is life changing stuff, but it's so simple. But it's it totally life changing and uh, it you know changed my life just like yours. So very cool. Hey, hey, hey Brandon. Yeah. Did, did they come and bang on your door? And, and <laughs> they probably did hand, actually. Hand it uh, to you in the house. We everybody sucks at being a landlord in the beginning, don't we? Like <laughs> yes. all three of us, I'm sure, sucked at being landlords in the beginning. But yes. you get better Absolutely. over time. <laughs> well, the problem was I was living in the same building, right? Yeah. So they just, oh, just walked downstairs, right? So yeah. Yeah. So but anyway, so I was in grad school at the time. And then I ended up deploying over to Afghanistan for a year. And then I came back from Afghanistan and I had a lot of money. I had about $100,000 I saved up while I was over there. Well, wait. So, okay, so you're in the, yeah. what, the, the, res, the reserves, right? Is that right? No, he's or, no. in the I get rich while fighting <laughs> the bad guys <laughs> army. How do I join yeah, that one? Give me $100,000 a year. Well, well the, I, I'm an officer in the National Guard. So officers get paid a little bit more than enlisted soldiers. So, nice. so I came back and then plus we were living for free at home. We didn't, you know, the tenants were paying the mortgage and stuff. So when you put that all together, I had a lot of money. That's uh, awesome. It, unfortunately, Army didn't give me the whole 100000 That would have been great. But uh, so I had about 100000 And when I came back, you know, everybody after a year overseas is coming back and they're buying nice stuff, cars, partying and spending all their money. I bought a flip. And uh, nice. I actually dropped out of my grad program at that time and bought a flip. Yeah. And so that's what kind of got me started. And I've just been growing ever since. But yeah, that's that's how I got started in real estate. So well, you're kind of the, the sucker, right? I mean, you're this guy who like you dropped out of grad school. I mean, you <laughs> spent money on a stupid flip. I mean, like yeah, you could have a cool dumb. car right I now. Mean, you could yeah, have a Tesla. You, you could be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I could be working right now for somebody else. Getting yeah. paid <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. true. All right, so let's let's walk through that mindset back then. I mean, when you were first, I, I want to go even before the flip. So back to the the house hack. When you decided to buy a multifamily, how many how many units was it? Did you say three? Three. Three. Okay, units. so you're living in one unit, renting that out, mm-hmm. thinking you know this is this is pretty awesome. What made you want to then shift from that over to I'm going to go buy something to flip? How did that transition go in your head? I didn't even know what financial independence or any of this stuff was when I first started. Originally, my plan was to sell that, move out of that crappy neighborhood and get a decent house and be a normal person, right? So, um, you know, that epiphany that night when I got that rent really changed my whole mindset. And uh, then I started researching. That, that's actually about, about 2010, 11 is when I actually found Bigger Pockets. And I started looking up how nice. to make money doing this or how to do this with real estate. And, and it just kind of progressed slowly Especially when I was overseas, that whole year with nothing to do, you know, like, I mean, I was doing what I was doing over there, but on my free time, I had nothing to do but think about what I want to do when I got home. So there's a lot of research going on. And so I spent that time just learning everything I could about real estate. So is that something that I I, I guess I'm just kind of thinking about this. You're you're over there in your downtime while you're not serving and protecting, you know, you're pondering and and. You know, we, we've got a lot of people out there across the world in different places that are sitting and pondering when they're not 
you know, out there uh, putting their lives on the line. Is this something like that people talk about? I mean, are you guys talking about, you know, hey, I'm going to make money when I get back. I'm going to buy fancy cars or or kind of what, what what's going on there? Uh, overseas, what's going on in our On the our mindset, head? yeah, in terms of like, you know, the financial stuff. Yeah, so absolutely. So it depends on who you talk to and what level they're at and what they're what they want to do in life. But everybody's talking about what they're going to do when they get home. You know, whatever their plans are, it's normal when you're away for so long. I came up with a lot of ideas, different business ideas that I wanted to do. And the real estate thing was in the back of my head the whole time. And uh, that ended up being well one in my mind, just, uh, you know, when I came back. But yeah, it's, it's actually very, there's, there's a lot of anxiety, believe it or not. Because you have all these dreams and goals that you want to do, but you can't do any of them. You're just stuck for that mm. period of time. So you're just kind of being anxious about what am I going to do when I get home? Obviously, that's what you talk about. Yeah. You have nothing else to talk about. So. Yeah. And for any anyone that you... Anyone who is overseas, though, there is an opportunity, right, with real estate. I mean, now that you've been doing this, you know, if you have an opportunity to go in before you get deployed or anything like that and actually pick up some rental properties, I mean, in theory, you could even run a rental business from overseas, right? I mean, there's guys doing that. Absolutely. I yeah. didn't know that then, but, yeah. you know, you know, now I, I live in Texas. I run all my all my properties in Massachusetts. So absolutely, you can do it all from a distance. Wait a second. Um, you just said you live in Texas, but you have property yeah, in Massachusetts. Backwards. That's like opposite of what most people do, right? Because properties I always hear are expensive in the Northeast, but in Texas, ever you know, properties are cheap. So, I heard that right, right? You didn't mix that up. You yes, live absolutely. in Texas, and you and, uh, okay, yeah. So we're gonna talk into that, but before we get into that, let's go back to the flip. That very sure, first yeah, flip. Yeah. Was that a live and flip, or was that like I'm gonna flip this house and fix it up, sell it? That that was a not. I didn't live in it. I just okay. I bought it in 2012, and I flipped it over the course of a few months. I had contractors, everything, just like you do a normal flip. It wasn't great. I didn't make a ton of money. I, I made a few thousand dollars, but the way I like to look at it is, if you can go to school and someone pays you to go to school, then that's a success. Yeah. So that's that, true. That's kind of the way I look at that. Love that. Yeah. What, what do you remember? What you paid for it, or like what you sold it for? Like what price range was that in? Uh, I bought it for about 110, and I sold it for uh, two 200, 210 maybe. But the the big thing was there's about a 25 or 30 thousand dollar septic system that had to go into it. Ah. Uh, so it ate up a lot of the money. And, did you uh, know and that of, when you bought it? Yes, I knew the about septic? the septic system. Okay. But there's a lot of little stuff that popped up. There was some. Uh, there's a little bit of insect damage that had to get repaired that we didn't catch up front. Would that be uh, termites? I can't remember if it's termites or ants, but it wasn't huge. But it was just like a lot of the little unexpected stuff like that. So actually, one of the big things that cost me a lot of money was the uh, the contractor. I, I didn't vet them out uh, very well on all the things that they were doing. And uh, one of the things that got me was the floors at the end. They didn't do a good job on the floors. It went up on market because I had to travel for something. So it went up on market well, b- before I got to actually see the floors. And all the people that were going to bid, I thought would bid high, didn't want anything to do with the property because the floors weren't in the condition they needed to be. Uh, so even after I redid the floors, finally got it, you know, nice. The people who would have paid top price didn't want to come back to the property. So right. uh, lesson learned. Yeah. How did that end up happening? I mean, it was was that because you were away or missing out on seeing the end result on the floors? That was right, just because yeah. you couldn't see it. Right. So yeah, that was because I couldn't see it. I trusted them that they could do the floors based off of some work that was done somewhere else. Yeah, but uh, I actually went over to China. My wife's Chinese. Uh, we were having our Chinese wedding, so nice. it, uh, just the way the timeline worked out, I was overseas when it when it uh, when it went on the market, and so you know. Right on. 
So for somebody who is in the middle of a project that does have to go overseas and has somebody else manning the project, what would they, they do in a situation like that now that you are more learned and experienced? Well, now I have another layer in there. So I have somebody who works for me who can go inspect properties and such. So that wouldn't happen now. I just trusted the contract that it was done. Then it went up on the market. Yep. You know, now I have somebody who can inspect it and say, hey, you need to fix this before we put it on the market and delay putting it on the market by a few weeks if necessary. So, so verify, trust, but verify, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Perfect. One, one thing you said there about having that other, the extra layer in there, like that is one thing in my life that, I mean, totally changed the last couple, like year or so of my investing was having that. I never had that layer there. And I'm not that good mm-hmm. at dealing with contractors. I don't like confrontation. But as soon as I got that layer there, somebody else to be the bad guy or to yell at people, to, to, I tell them what to do. They go tell somebody else what to do. Instantly, my entire business changed. So I just recommend Absolutely. that, yeah, to people out there, like, there's so many good reasons to have that. It doesn't have to be a full-time employee there. It could be a family member. It could be a partner. It could be you know, somebody working five hours a week for you. But just have yeah. that person if you need it. I agree. As soon as I got somebody to yell at Brandon all the time, that wasn't me. <laughs> my life got so much better. So much it was better. Less, less fun, but <laughs> I definitely better. <laughs> anyway. Well, it's it's true even with tenants, collecting rent or dealing with tenants. When yes. you have somebody else to point out and say, you're, they're saying this, or there's a layer in between you, so yep. they can, I can be the bad guy and they can just relay the news or, or however you want to work it. Yep. You, know, you don't have to feel bad about telling them, pay me, or yeah. I'm going to evict you. Yeah, when no. you have somebody else being the bad guy, you can make a clear, like, non-emotional, you know, like right now, like I've said this before, but like my mother-in-law answers phones for our company. We hired her very part-time. All she does is answer phones and shows units. But because of that, like, she's always the person talking to the tenant. So I can tell, I don't hear the emotional side of it. She just tells me the facts and I tell her what to do about it. And it works out yeah. so good. And uh, yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely a great tip there. Um, and yeah. this is this is how Brandon deals with his his <laughs> mother and monster in law. That's no, how I she's do. nice. She is she's amazing. amazing. She is amazing lady, and she's a she's but much better at handling tenants than I am. Yeah. And so and yeah, it's not sure. it's not like full time. Like when I was like I didn't I couldn't afford a full time person when I didn't have enough units, and so I just found yeah. somebody who wanted to work five or ten hours a week. Okay, let's yeah. do it. So hey hey Eric, so let, let's go back to this Texas Massachusetts thing. I mean again, yeah. you know the People live in LA, New York, Boston. You know, they say, I can't afford it. And they look for a smaller, less expensive market. You did the opposite. Why? Well, I lived in Massachusetts. I grew up in Massachusetts, spent my first 29 or 30 years there. Go Mets. So, <laughs> so I um, <laughs> just bought property. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so. <laughs> So I, I grew up in Massachusetts. I spent my first uh, 29 or 30 years there. And um, so I just bought properties that made sense for me at the time that I can manage directly. And then I, I moved to Texas a couple of years ago. And I, my plan originally was to get involved in real estate here in Texas. But I, I started looking at the numbers and I realized the, the properties actually didn't earn as much money here in Texas as they do in Massachusetts. Uh, so for me, I just kept buying more in Massachusetts. Uh, the difference, though, is... In Texas, people mostly invest in single-family properties because they're very cheap per square foot. But up north, nobody it doesn't even make sense to buy single families. I, I own only one of them it, it just because I fell into it, kind of. Uh, all mine are multifamily, so I wouldn't invest in single families where, where I'm from. Right. Um, so, so are you that, talking two, three, fours, or are you talking like larger, well, mid-sized multi, five-plus? Small multis. Everything I own is five units or less. Okay. Okay. And, well, I was going to say, I think that brings up a good point too, that, you know, 
people say, you know, I can't invest in real estate in my area. And I think that the more appropriate statement there is I can't invest in a certain type of real estate in my area. Like you said, Absolutely. yeah, maybe single family homes don't work in, in one area, but they do another, maybe multifamily work in one versus another. You just got to figure out what works in your neighborhood. Or, or, or they just have to, you know, like delay instant gratification and, and, you know, save a little bit more so that they, they've got the down payment or they can yeah. find partners and things like that. I mean, yep. you know, there's deals to be had in all sorts of markets and expensive yeah. and expensive, but it's, it's how are you going to do it? Right. Yeah. I hear, I hear that all the time for the Bay Area, right? People are like, well, I live in the Bay Area. I can't invest. And I, my response is always the same. What you're, you're saying that there's no real estate investors in the Bay Area. There's nobody investing in real estate in the entire Northern California. That's amazing. Like, of course there are. It's just they, there's a different way to do it. You just got to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. The way you might read about it, the way that everybody else is doing it in, in Dallas is not going to work for you in yep. California or in, or in Massachusetts. You, you have to adapt your, your style or your investment strategy to where you want to invest in. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually one of the reasons why I love, I mean, I love being a co-host here on the Bigger Pockets podcast and I love listening to episodes of like this podcast because, and I'm sure a lot of you guys can identify listening to this because like you hear how it works in Texas and Massachusetts and Bay Area and, you know, Minnesota, Washington, whatever. Are you laughing, at Josh, that I said Massachusetts? I, I struggle with that I, I word, was, all right? I, was gonna, I saw, I I saw your face. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> all right, it's a weird word. Come on. It's like, it's like saying ru- rural. You know, it's funny here in Texas, almost <laughs> nobody can pronounce Massachusetts. They, most people call it Massachusetts. Massachusetts. So how, wait, how do, you, how, do you, how do you say it? How do you, how do you officially say it? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Uh-huh, that's, a yeah, weird that's, word. Enough. that's good enough. But there's there's a term that we in New York lovingly call the people from Massachusetts that I won't say because I'm about to lose another segment of our population. But most people do not fit that okay. terminology. This, this yeah. is a good New York Massachusetts rivalry, but you know we're <laughs> people from New York love Massachusetts and people from Mass love New York. Just love yeah, to hate love each you. other when it comes to sports. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So right. okay, well, well that makes a lot of sense, and I love you know. I love the idea because we, we talk about this all the time, right? I mean, you know the market where you are back home in mass, right? You know that market. You grew up in that market. You get it. You understand it fundamentally. And so, yeah, just because that's, you know, not right near where you are, the one advantage that you go in with is market knowledge. And, and so Absolutely. we typically will say, Hey, for newbies, try to stay close to home. But really the reason for that is primarily that market knowledge. Um, it's also proximity allows you to go and swing by and see it. So let me let me ask you about that. Obviously, you've got a team on the ground um, that can be your eyes and ears. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Small team. I do have a team though. Cool. And how did how did you put together that team? Like, what does that consist of? What does that look like? Who who takes care of things for you when you're not there? So the the people that I rely on the most right now, I loosely call them my property managers. They're actually tenants. They're they're still tenants of mine. Uh, and didn't ever intend for them to be property managers for me. It just started off as like, hey, can you replace a carpet for me? Can, uh, you know, the the wife uh, does cleaning. She does cleaning stuff on the side. I'm like, can you clean this, uh, do this turnover for me? Can you clean this apartment? And then slowly over time, just they were very capable and good at that. So I tried something else. They're good at that too. And it just kind of grew over time. That's how I got them, you know. And then as far as tradespeople, plumbers, electricians, like, Growing up in the area, I know a lot of people that I can just give a quick phone call to. Yeah, yeah, and, and they could take care of that stuff. So that's I developed my team kind of organically, just naturally over time, just kind of the way it worked out. I love that's that. great. How many units are you up to total now over there? Hey, hey really quick before you go there, Brandon, I, ju- I just want to add a point because. Sure. 
we do hear this a lot from, well, we, we hear about it on the forums a lot and a lot of new investors will do it. They'll, you know, be like, oh, well, you know, the guy who lives in a unit seems like he's handy. I'll let him fix something in my property. And I just want to warn newbies, like, you know, you probably want to hire a, um, you know, look, what you're doing work worked out for you, but do they have insurance? Do they have, you know, are they bonded? I mean, if something happens to these tenants while they're working on your property, you're in trouble, right? So... I can go into a little bit more detail for you why I hired them in the first place. And and no, that's fine. I and I'd love to well, hear it. I just I just yeah. want to kind of give this as a general warning to to new people because you know people are going to hear it and be like, oh, okay, well, I I've got I maybe I could find one of my tenants to fix something. I agree with you a hundred percent. The only reason why yeah. I did it is because in Massachusetts I'm a licensed contractor and I was insured, uh, nice. so yeah. I could hire him as a subcontractor and cover him under my own insurance. Awesome. Um, and I only hired them at first because I was actually in a bind. The guy that I was supposed to do for something did, didn't show up. So I just, yeah, was, he just happened to mention it. So I called him. But That's you're awesome. absolutely right. If I didn't have the insurance and the other things, I probably never would have gave them a chance. So. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to call you out. I was just, I just want people to be aware that, uh, you know, yeah. there's a potentiality for getting themselves in trouble. Absolutely. It's a great tip. And plus, if they're your tenant, if the relationship ever breaks down, you're going to ha- and probably end up having to evict the tenant. So you always yeah. have to worry about that. My lead contractor I had for probably five years was also my very first tenant I ever had. And he's the one that, uh, this well, is the one that I, burnt down yeah, the house, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, he accidentally burned down the house when we had to evict him. And so I lost a tenant, I lost my contractor, and I lost my house all on the same day. It was fantastic. <laughs> I, ironically, as we talked to Eric here, that happened last year at FinCon. It did happen last year at FinCon, yeah. So now it's oh, been yes. a year since then. But uh, yeah, anyway, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't regret working with him over those years, but I mean, he was a licensed bonded contractor as well. And so I think there is value, you know, if you have a tenant going and doing work, like a random tenant, hey, can you go take care of this roof, you know, go sweep the roof off of stuff. He falls off, breaks his leg. Now you're in for, you know, some serious trouble. Absolutely. In, it in happens a, a lot. So. It does happen, yeah. Yep. So anyway, just be careful out there, but uh, there you go. All right, so how many units are you up to total now? I'm at 26 units. I just closed on five units last week, actually. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so you're at 26 units, and you started 2012, so it's about four years. You, you've kind of built up a pretty nice portfolio. Yep, that's about right. I bought my first one was in 2009, right at the end. Three okay. units that we lived in, but I didn't buy my next property until 2012. So there's a couple of year gap in there. Cool. Uh, now, you mentioned earlier, like you kind of off the cuff or whatever, something about not working for somebody else anymore. Does that mean you don't have another job? Like this supports you financially? Like, like 100%. Your, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you achieve financial freedom through rental properties, which is, I mean, the goal of most of our listeners here. Mm-hmm. And, and you did that just by picking up just rental properties, small multifamily properties, manage them correctly, and uh, just kind of growing your portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, I was in real estate full time. I was buying property, working on some flips. I was doing some side stuff as a realtor, as a contractor, just trying to make some money, you know, related to real estate, but not just on my investments. Right on. You're right. So the like the synergies. So I'm already doing one thing in real estate. Another thing just kind of makes sense. I already know about it. So it's easy to make some money on it. And when I achieved financial independence or financial freedom is actually, I was financially free before I realized it, but I was working so full time in my, in my business and working on uh, the properties and stuff that I was spending all my time doing it. When we moved to Texas and suddenly had to have somebody else manage everything for us is when I realized I actually don't need to work. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Hey, yeah, so 
by moving is even though we had already had the income necessary to be there, we, we didn't realize it until I was forced into it. Then, then that's when I said, we're free. We're financially free now. That's cool. That's cool. Hey, Brandon, there's a pretty nice place to live here in Denver. You got a whole team set up and, sure and uh, Podunk and, uh, you know, come on <laughs> well, out, man. Well, that, that is, the, I mean, the, the, the truth is like I've been building my business so that I can, you know, eventually if I needed to move, I could move because I got, you know, people in place and, uh, you know, that yeah. I, I think that's important whether or not you plan to move or not, try to systemize your business so that you could. So I think that's fantastic. Sure. And I'm assuming also, yeah. Eric, you're not living like, you know, in a million dollar mansion. I mean, maybe you are, but like no. you're probably living pretty frugally. Yeah. But, but I mean, like the, the, the you're living, uh, you know, responsibly, I guess is the word there, right? Uh, well, the, the nice thing about Texas is I can, I can live in a, with a way better standard of living here than in Massachusetts. So yeah. I moved out of a house that we owned and we moved into an apartment complex in Texas when we moved from Mass to Texas. And the, the rent here is, is pretty cheap and the amenities are amazing. So we have a great lifestyle now for a fraction of what you know, yeah. it costs in Massachusetts to do that. Wait, so wait we a, live wait better. Hold on, hold on, because I'm confused. You're, you're a landlord, but you're, you're renting? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love I just because I love the area. That's all. That's awesome. I, I, I was I was not actually going to make a smart-ass remark. I, I, I think it's great. I mean, like, yeah, you're living off the problem. I mean, you got the income off of real estate. You know, if, if you'd rather rent than buy, then rent out. Find the place that you want to be and do what you got to do. Our, our, uh, our dream right now, what we're trying to, what we're aiming for is we want to travel some. So my wife's Chinese and uh, we're planning on heading over to China for about six months next year. Nice. And, uh, you know, we want to travel around and, and uh, be free to pick up and move and go somewhere for a few months and come back, while, especially while our kids are very young. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, owning a home and living in the home makes you a little bit more stuck to where you are. And so, you know, four or five years from now, we'll probably buy another place and live in it. Yeah. For now, though, we want to be, we want that freedom. Cool. Sense. That's awesome. Hey, so, you know, 26 deals, 26 units, you know, you, you started with a hundred grand, which, you know, is, is a large amount of money for a lot of people. How did you get there? I mean, how did you parlay the first couple deals, you know, to the next deals and the next deals, you know, how, how did you accumulate and, and uh, work the financial angle on your, uh, the growth of your business? Right. So what I was doing at the time, I didn't even know it is you call it the burst strategy now, right? Uh, I, back yeah. then, I don't know if that term is even coined, uh, but <laughs> So, That's what we call it, burr. <laughs> so I, I, the you know, the, so after the first flip that I didn't really earn anything on, I then went and bought a uh, four-unit property, and uh, which is the best, probably the best deal I've ever made in my whole life. And uh, th- this is one of the reasons why I love Massachusetts. If I could digress for a second, in the um, they they had a listing for about one hundred fifty thousand, but it had four deadbeat tenants. One was a heroin addict. Like it, it was all the worst people you could imagine, but in, a, in an okay place, okay area, just it was mismanaged. And the landlord couldn't get them out. So they just sold it. I, I got it for $75,000. You know, I just came in, I evicted everybody and I turned around and making a ton of money off of it. Yeah. So in, in these landlord friendly states, those, op- those type of opportunities exist if you know how to deal with tenants. But anyway, so I paid cash for this, this property, did a little bit of work, about ten or $15,000 worth of work. And uh, it appraised out at about 180. So when I refi, I put like thirty, forty thousand dollars in my pocket, which then nice. allowed me to go to my next property and continue, continue doing that. That is awesome. the power of the burst strategy, which stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. For those people who have never heard that term before, just the idea of those fixer upper rentals and uh, 
I did a webinar on that last week actually here on Bigger Pockets, or was it two weeks ago? Something like that. Anyway, we had like I think 5,000 people total between the live webinar and then a few people on the replay ended up watching that thing. It was just crazy popular topic. People love that. So if you're yeah. a pro member, you can go watch the replay of that because we have uh, the pro replay room. All the past webinars are there, biggerpockets.com slash pro replay. And if you're not a pro member, sign up at biggerpockets.com slash pro. Or just go to biggerpockets.com slash webinar and, and you can listen to, to any of the upcoming webinars yep. for free, obviously. Yep, yep. all yep. our webinars are live and free to come watch live every single Wednesday. So good stuff. For the newbies, for the newbies, so I had a lot of cash from my deployment, but I've done it also when I was running multiple projects. You could do that with hard money as well. So if you borrow some hard money or private money, you could do the exact same thing. So you don't need a ton of money in order to be able to do that strategy for the newbies out there. Yeah. Awesome. It, it's true. It's true. Now the, the danger with the hard money, of course, I mean, I've done it as well. The danger is if you get a hard money lender, who's like, you know what, I'm only going to give you six months on this, on this loan. You know, sometimes it's not enough time to rehab it and then try to get a refinance and you can get into some trouble. I just tell people, if you're going to use hard money, just make sure you got at least a year, uh, uh right. you know, alone with that. And a lot of hard money lenders will do one year. Some will even do two, uh, and then give yourself some, some room there. So cool. With an option to extend sometimes. Yes. Points, they'll, they'll extend it for you. So, yep. And I think the key really with the birth strategy, I mean, the, the biggest thing is finding the best deals you can. I mean, you really need to find a great deal so you have room yeah. so you can build the equity. You got to find a good, ju- just as good of a deal as a house flipper does. You don't have to Absolutely. necessarily find better, but you just got to, you got to find a good deal just like a, a house flipper is going to do it. So let's, let's shift and then talk about that. How do you find, how are you finding these deals? Are you MLS or are you? Oh, nice transition, clever? man. Thank you. You like that? I'm <laughs> So I just find deals mostly uh, through MLS. Uh, uh, sometimes, I mean, I've had some some one-off type, just uh, other you know random stuff that came up, but most of it's through MLS. And I really search for stuff that's mismarketed, uh, where they uh, the the realtor puts it incorrectly into MLS. And uh, I, you know, a couple examples of that, like a um, a single-family house with the in-law apartment built onto it, listed as a multifamily instead of a single-family, like those sorts of things. So that's kind of stuff I'm looking for mismarketed. And what I really like buying is the properties that have tenant problems. And you can always tell the tenant problems when, you know, there's only one picture of the property. <laughs> it's on the outside and there's none on the inside of the, uh, inside of the, that is the unit. such a good tip. Like, like I never even thought about that before, but it's true. I look for those as well. Cause I just kind of assume on the MLS, if there's one picture, they couldn't or didn't go inside for some reason. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I love that tip. And in landlord-friendly states, the landlords probably want to get out of that property and they're willing to make a deal just to walk away from it. Well, let me, let me ask you about that. So are you looking at any SFR? Are you looking at just every, any property that has one picture, usually the outside? That's your signal that, that there's a problem with the property, whether the property looks like crap and it's owner-occupied or the pro- property's got a bad tenant. Right. So in Massachusetts, I don't do any single family, so I've never looked. Oh, at that's that. right. That's right. My bad. Uh, only two families, uh, two units and up, and f- most of the time, three three units and up, because two units don't always work out there. And I mean, there's a lot of signals. So when you look at the MLS, you can see if there's information uh, missing or incorrect, some of the other signals. So it might say we have five bedrooms and one bathroom, but it's listed as a two unit. So clearly, they're missing a bathroom on there somewhere. So you know, there's some mistakes in. Those mistakes pop up a lot when the uh, either they get converted from a single family to a multifamily and no updates are made. So maybe there's uh, work that's done without permits. The listing agent can't get into the property, check anything, and they just say, screw it, put whatever comes up from the tax records. 
Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of little subtle things that you can look for. Nice. That's great. Great tip. Love that. Yeah. Are you are you finding things? You said mostly MLS looking for the mismarketed and and the tenant problems, but you also had intonated that you had other techniques. Uh, are you are you doing any kind of mailing? Are you doing any kind of driving for dollars or finding these uh, good deals in any other way? Now that I moved to Texas, I do have my my property manager. They they do send me some word of mouth stuff because they're really connected into the neighborhoods that I'm looking in. So that that's popped up. One of the most interesting things I ever did though is I became a state appointed receiver for a property. For anybody who doesn't know what that is, when properties get foreclosed on or not foreclosed on, they get abandoned and they fall into disrepair. The state can step in and put the property into receivership and force repairs upon the property. So I got I picked up one property that way. I actually foreclosed against the bank and wiped them out of their position and took it. Really? Wait, I've, you foreclosed on? They explain that. So what what happened is there's. By uh, the way, for those of you listening, Eric's got a big old smile happening right now as he tells this story. <laughs> This is the best deal ever. So, so in a receivership, it, basically, what at least in Massachusetts, I'm sure something similar happens in different markets. But um, the bank sends out foreclosure notices against these these uh, these people, and this is the one single family that I own. Uh, the the owners vacate the property because they know they're going to be foreclosed on. But the bank, for whatever reason, doesn't foreclose on the property, and they leave it there in their shadow inventory. So it's a property that's not foreclosed on, but not occupied. And as you guys know, it only takes a couple of years before they fall into complete and under disrepair. Yeah. And it, I yeah. mean, they, you get one little leak in the roof and the property gets filled up with mold. So, I mean, the state steps in with the health code and says, you need to maintain this property up to the health code of, the, of our state. Either the owner does it, which won't because they left, or the bank does it, who won't do it because they don't own it yet. So they appoint a person to go do these repairs and you get a super lean position on the property. Uh, which wipes out, it's above everything except for uh, taxes or city taxes. But funny enough, the banks usually pay the city taxes before foreclosure. So uh, the I just wiped the bank out and took it from them, basically. Wow. So what, so what did that look like from a financial standpoint? What were the numbers? Okay, so I put about $60,000 worth of work into a property, and I foreclosed on it uh, for just the cost of the work that I put into it. And yep. it was what worth, was it work? It's worth it's worth about one hundred forty thousand dollars. It needed some structural work, which is one thing I specialize in. So it needed all new lolly columns, and new the house needed to be jacked up a little bit in the middle. They had all rotted out all the supports. The uh, so does that. It needed the kitchen was falling apart. It needed a whole new kitchen. The whole yard was overgrown. It's so like I had to get uh, you know people in there to just like take out like weeds that became trees. Nice. So, I mean, wow. it was pretty extensive. That's wow. cool. That's awesome. I, it's yeah. unique. I've ne- yeah, never ever talked about doing it that way before. So, yeah, that's cool. Sweet. Hey, yeah. w- one more thing too. You just mentioned there, just as part of your story, you said I you specialize in foundation stuff or structural stuff. Uh, is that you were? You said you were a general contractor licensed in Massachusetts. Did I say that right? Massachusetts. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you, said you, done. you were a GC there. I mean, is that what you like? Focus on? Are you just like buying rentals, or I mean, properties with problems like that? Like, how do you become a specialist in foundation issues? That's a really good question. So I realized really early on, especially after I got my license as a GC, that foundation stuff, or not necessarily the foundation, but the supports underneath, with that's really scary, but it's actually really cheap to fix. And so, but you pay a lot to fix it because you need someone who is not scared to do the work. Yep. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah. So. 
I know that in my area, yeah, a bad foundation can, I mean, like you can drop the price of a house 50 grand if there's just, if it's sloping wrong, you know, like, and they're not that complicated, but I have the same problem. I can't find people to do the work because everyone's afraid of it. But I know that it's not that difficult because a few guys that just do it just fine. They'll do it in two days and make themselves 30 grand to do two days of work. And I'm like, are you you serious? Like I should get into that. Absolutely. So So, like if the house is sagging and the supports in the center are rotted out, because in Massachusetts we have a very old inventory. A lot of houses are 100 years old plus. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's not hard to jack the house up, make it pretty much level, and then toss in lolly columns, which cost under 100 bucks each. You put six or seven of those, and the house is nice and straight and can will last another 100 years. So for under 1000 bucks, you can, you know, replace, fix this house or this property, but yeah. you're going to hey. save $25,000 off of the, the asking price for it. So wow. That's amazing. Bada bing. All done. Beautiful. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, uh, let's, uh, you know, I want to, I want to shift gears and head over to the world famous fire round here in a second. Before we do, I just want a last kind of follow-up question. So you've got the five plex you just closed on, right? Do you mind right. if we just walk through just for a second, how you found it, how you financed it and kind of what the numbers kind of look like, just so people have an idea of what you're doing nowadays. So this is a five unit multifamily. Uh, it's mixed use. It's got one commercial space in the front. Okay. I, I picked it up for 132,000. It's uh, the reason why it's so cheap and nobody would buy it. It was on the market for about six months is because the, the previous landlord had, it was in the family for three generations and the rents are about half of market rent and he refuses to raise rent. So on a five unit plus it's, it's the price is based off of the, you know, the, the cap rate and the rents you're getting and stuff. So uh, it's basically worthless at those rents. And uh, I know I'm going to double the rents, so I don't mind to, to, to purchase it even at 132,000. Yeah. And, um, so it probably needs about twenty, thirty thousand dollars worth of work to get it to the level that I want it to be. And then I think when it's done and once I raise all the rents, it'll be worth about somewhere between two twenty five and two fifty. That's awesome. And I'm assuming then you go refinance it at that point, put it into something long term. Is that the is that the goal? Right. So probably in a year from now. I'm gonna this one, uh, I'm going to do it slowly because it is occupied right now. So I'm just going to do one unit at a time over the course of the next year. Sure. And uh, it just raised one unit at a time. And then a year from now, I should be able to refinance to get my money out. I love it. Nicely done. I love it. Sounds great. Good strategy, that burr. That yeah, burr. Yeah, I know. I came up with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. So, well, yeah, he invented it. I invented it right here. I'm the guy that invented it. Bigger Pockets. Yeah, Bigger yes. Pockets invented the burr strategy. No. Oh, no, no, no. There are no secrets. We invented yeah. nothing. You just put a name. We label things. We're marketers. That's it right there. Right. <laughs> uh, just yesterday, I was watching P, uh, a P90X video uh, or not p 90 It was like some like Beachbody commercial infomercial because that's what I do when I'm bored. And so I'm watching this infomercial and they were talking about like this thing called like, I don't know. It was some kind of workout thing like jump stacking or whatever they called it. I don't know. And I was like, whatever they were showing was something that's been around for thousands of years people have been doing the same thing they put a new term on it marketed yeah. it all over the place and now yep. beachbody invented this brand new exercise technique and i'm like yes but that's what good marketers do so burn. when i was in college my uh <laughs> just real quick it's funny yeah the guy that was uh, that ran a gym and I, I used he was kind of like my personal trainer too and it was back when crossfit was starting to become really popular and he's like you know this guy's like 50 years old 55 years old the most in-shape person i've ever met in my whole life He's like, I remember when CrossFit just used to be called exercise. So, <laughs> there you go. CrossFit is another perfect example. Yeah, it's really good marketing. They, uh, they know how to label things. So, yeah. very cool. Awesome. All, All right, right well, Eric, cool. Let, yeah, let's, let's shift gears here and uh, head over to the world famous Fire Round. It's time for the Fire Round. <laughs> 
This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We know and you all know why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability. With Plaid certified tenant income and assets reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. All tenant screening and verification is paid by the tenant and done through the desktop and mobile app. It's time to say goodbye to gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. And as a matter of fact, all Bigger Pockets pros have Rent Ready included in your pro membership. If you're not a pro, Rent Ready is offering you 50% off of their annual plan. New customers visit rentready.com and use code BP2024. That's R E N T R E D I.com using code BP2024. That's VP, like Bigger Pockets, in the year 2024 to save 50% off of one year of Rent Ready. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day, plus Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, let's get to these fire round questions. Of course, the fire round for those people unaware are questions that come directly from the Bigger Pockets forums. These are free real estate forums, the largest real estate forum online. You can go jump in and ask questions all the time. And guys like Eric are in there answering your questions. So we're going to fire a few of them at you, Eric. Number biggerpockets.com um, slash forums. Thank you, Josh. Way, you can get thank to you, them. Mom. There are <laughs> thousands of new posts a day on the forums, and yeah. it's amazing. So 
Yeah, Let's get crazy. to that first question now, Brandon. All right. There's a question I really like this. We've asked this a few times on the, on the fire round because people ask it a lot in the forums. The market seems pretty high. Should I be adjusting my strategy for a potential like collapse? I think the official words I used was, should I be adjusting my strategy now because of the economic forecast? What do you think? Right. I don't know what other people should do, but I can tell you that uh, I am doing that. So okay. these so? properties that I, so this particular property, I probably spent five or six months before I really jumped into this. I mean, I was looking at properties for about that period of time. And normally it doesn't take me that long to find it. Uh, I wanted to find something that was about 50% under market value, because I think if there is going to be a correction of 10 or 20%, uh, in the next year or two, I, I don't know the numbers, but if if it was twenty percent, I'm still positive after yeah. raising the value. So uh, it was really hard for me to find this particular deal, uh, and that's how I'm hedging myself for the next year or two. Nice, right on. Cool. And if you did know, you you would obviously tell us all what's going to happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. If I had that sort of insight, I would. Yes. Or just short yes. the market when it happens. Yeah, and lots of money. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right, next question on the fire round. I have an 11-year-old water heater servicing 20 units. There are no problems currently, but I would just rather not have it go out on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Uh, so the question is, do you schedule change-outs on water heaters, or do you just wait till they die? I love this question. I, That's a great question. I do not schedule water heaters, but I do save for them just for when they do go. Okay. Got it. So. On that particular thing, I just, you know, because there's been times where a water heater is supposed to last five years. Yeah. And it goes for nine years. If I had, I would go through two water heaters in the time that I, yep. you know, so yeah. I could save that money and put it towards other things. So it's, you know, nice. but then again, it is 20 units. So maybe you don't want 20 angry tenants at the same time. <laughs> That's so. true. Fair point. Fair point. All right. Number three, I'm looking for a mentor to teach me how to invest. How do I find one? How do you find a mentor? So, I found a mentor. I actually have a family member who does real estate, so I started with her. And then also real estate investor meetings. I find that a lot of real estate investors are pretty open with the information they have and are very willing to teach you a lot of what they know, you know, just by going to those sorts of meetings. And almost every city has, you know, real estate investor meetings. So that's where I would start. Nice, nice. And you could find meetings like that and others at biggerpockets.com slash events. That's biggerpockets.com slash events. We've got tons of events put on by our, our local folks around the country. So last question on the fire round. Brandon gets these really short ones. I, I get paragraphs. So I, I like um, to hear you read. Yes. Well, I'm we should have out. We should have you record the audiobook for the for the ultimate beginner's guide to real estate investing. Oh, this is a fantastic idea. Are, are you calling that me out? I'm calling you out publicly. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, because we wow. might as well have that on Audible. I mean, it's a free book. People can download at biggerpockets.com/ubg, but why not have an Audible version of it read uh, by Josh Dorkin? Not a bad idea. If you guys want Josh idea. to do that, tweet uh, Josh at jr Dorkin at Twitter at jr Dorkin and let him know you want to hear him and his sexy voice reading the. You guys UBG. hold on while I send that tweet out real quick. <laughs> You do realize that I'm still getting knock-knock tweets from like Podcast 7 or something where Brandon told people to tweet me knock-knock. Yeah. Uh, we should yeah. start that back up again. You guys, if you guys want to tweet JR, at JR Dorkin, just tweet him knock-knock also. That's good. All right. And uh, if you want to tweet Brandon Turner, just tweet Brandon at BP. It's Brandon ATBP and tell him to stop picking on me, would you? All right. All right. Just so Eric's not left out. Eric, what's your Twitter? Do you know? Oh, it's at... Eric J. Bolin. All right. At nice. Eric J. Bolin. Yes, anyway. Tell Eric what an awesome guy he is. There you go. All right. Last question. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you said. I'm not listening. All right. Last question. We're done. 
Let me finish this. Finish it. All right. Here we go. I'm renting out the second half of the duplex I just bought to House Hack. I have a great prospect, a business guy who's moving to Chicago, but he only wants it for nine months. Do you think it's worth it to accept him and find a new tenant in nine months, or should I keep looking for a longer-term tenant? There's a couple of variables. So it depends on your financial situation, how bad you need the cash flow right now. Uh, so I would, I would evaluate that first. Do I need the cash right now or no? Can I wait? So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, is a lot of landlords will raise the rents if you do short-term uh, leases. So if it's nine months, you could say, all right, you do nine months, but it's going to go up 75 or 100 or whatever dollars. You know, So I'm going to lose a month's rent in nine months and have to get another person. Yep. But I can you know, make up some of that or all of that by just going ahead and uh, renting it to you at a higher rate. There you go. There you go. All right. That wraps up our fire round questions. And of course, if you have more questions for guys like Eric, jump into the forums, biggerpockets.com says forums. So now let's finish this thing up with the world famous famous four. All right. These four questions are the same four questions we've been asking for almost, almost 200 shows. And uh, we're going to throw them at you now, Eric. So number one, what is your favorite real estate related book? All right. Well, I know everybody says it, but it's uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But cool. so moving on, <laughs> that, that book literally changed my life. But for a real real estate book, I have this one. I've had it since 2009. It's called The Successful Landlord. <laughs> Who's well, that it's, it's called something else. There's a, there's a whole like line crossed out there, and it says it says something else there. On uh, I, I won't say it over the air. That's right. So it's a it's not a book that you would buy. It's Massachusetts only, but it goes through all the the landlord laws in the state. And uh, you know, I did cross out the word successful, and I changed it with something because I realized at the beginning that in order to be successful as a landlord, I had to be an a hole. So, <laughs> all right, um, nice. You kind of do. You kind of do. There you so go. There you go. I, I believe that everybody should get their state or municipality specific book if it exists and know it inside and out. Love that. Love that tip. Good job. Good job. All right. All right. Well, speaking of, you know, favorite, speaking books. of favorite real estate books, why don't we talk about our favorite business books? Absolutely. So my, my favorite business book, I have that right here too. The Psychology of Selling by Brian Tracy. I so, do love that book. That is a fantastic book. So I only remember one thing in the whole book and that sticks with me. <laughs> What's and that? He, he said in it that a person only earns plus or minus 10% of what they think they're worth. I love that. That was one of the most transform- transformational things in that entire Why don't you book. repeat that so yeah, everybody that can again. hear it? Absolutely. So what he said is that a person only earns yep. plus or minus 10% of what they think they're worth. Yeah. I, I, that When I read that, that changed my life. But then he goes on further. There's one more thing he adds on to that. He says, and what you think you're worth is typically what your father made while you grew, when you grew up. And that like blew my mind because I realized that is what I thought I was worth. My dad made a certain amount growing up. That's the benchmark that I set for myself. And uh, nice. yeah, mind blown when I read that. But, that is yeah. a great quote. Yeah. yeah. Psychology is awesome. awesome. If you want to earn more, you got to feel like you're worth more. Yep. And so you got to change your own mindset first. Yeah. Right. Right. So it is not true what they say about you. <laughs> it's not. All right. <laughs> All right. Next question. What do you do for fun, Eric? Uh, the thing that I like to do the most is traveling. I touched upon it a little bit. I've, yep. I've been a lot of places in the world and that's, you know, real estate opens up that. I get to travel two, three times a year and I usually go for three or four weeks at a time. So that's what I love to do. That's awesome. awesome. Cool. Very good. Very good. Cool. All right. My last question of the day. Eric, what do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from all those who give up, fail, or never get started? I think planning sets the successful or those who start from those who don't. 
uh, for a couple of reasons, because a lot of people don't get started in real estate because they're afraid. They're afraid to lose money. They're afraid that they don't know what they're doing. Uh, and that's where a plan comes in. So if you have yeah. a solid plan walking into it, if you know what the risks are, you know what the, the dangers are. But if you have a plan to mitigate those risks and mitigate those dangers, then yep. you can overcome that fear and get started. Uh, the people who fail, aside from major market corrections and changes like that, planning will help you make sure that you have enough money, cash reserves, you know, you're doing the maintenance as necessary and such to not fail and so that you can continue to succeed. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Very good. Very good. All right, Eric, before we let you go, man, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, so you can find more about me on my website, ericbolin.com, B-O-W-L-I-N, ericbolin.com. Uh, I have my own uh, blog there and I talk about real estate and financial independence. Cool. Awesome. And you also, you do blog on the Bigger Pockets blog occasionally. Is that correct? Yes, I am now a contributor on the Bigger Pockets blog. Just put my first uh, article out this month, actually. And that was the one on, on contractors, right? That's right. With yeah. uh, f- four reasons why you can't find a good contractor. Yeah, fantastic. And people love that article. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 198. And you can also jump in there on the comments, ask Eric questions, talk to him there, see the summary of the show, including the YouTube video will be there as well. Perfect. All right, Eric. Well, listen, man, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it. Lots of luck to you as you continue to go forward and congrats on all the success you've had so far. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this was fun. See you around. Yep. Take care, man. All right, guys, that was Eric Bolin. Big thanks again to Eric. That was uh, that was great, man. I love it. Yeah, I really, I really like Eric a lot. I like his story. I like the the fact that he's out there, like, get you know, collecting units, getting that passive income coming through enough to quit his job, travel the world. Yep. Uh, I also, I do like his philosophy quite a bit. On you know, it's not you don't have to buy a house. In fact, just now during this podcast recording, a, fr- a friend of mine texted me and said, "Hey, I want to." Um, I want to buy a house. He lives in Southern California. I said, how do I buy a house down here in Southern California? You have any tips for me? And like my tip back to him is just rent, rent a place, go buy something elsewhere. If you really want to buy something, there's nothing wrong with, with, I mean, there's some good ways to do it in a low, uh, a high market like that. But, uh, I think Eric's got a a very good philosophy there. You know, I agree. Do what you got to do to enjoy your life. I just love these stories. I mean, this, the podcast is so much fun because we just hear these different pathways that everyone takes. And I think that is one of the things that makes Bigger Pockets so special, at least for me, is, you know, every, all these kind of gurus and trainers and all these guys who know everything. You're like, here's my method. Here's what you got to do. And, you know, what we hear from every single person that we talk to is, They've got their own path. They've got their own method. They've got their own strategy and they create what works for them. What works for them isn't necessarily going to work for me or for you. And, and so, you know, that's why we harp on this so much is you've got to figure out what works for you. You've got to find the path that works for you, where you are in your age, in your job, in your financial situation, you name it. And, you know, you, you may not know the right path right away, but you got to get out there and try. You know, and and yeah. uh, that's the big difference that that is between the guy who's who's actually doing it and the guy who's not is the guy who's doing it took that chance. He did it right. He's like, I'm going to take a leap of faith, and this is this is the path I'm going to take on that first unit and go for it. I mean, it's a leap of faith. It really is. Yeah, I totally agree. But uh, it's nice to hear stories of guys that are doing it. So yeah, cool. for sure. Cool, man. Well, listen, this has been fun. Hopefully, I will not be recording out of my house again. For those of you watching the video, you saw me disappearing a few times. I got people (laughs) ringing the doorbell. I got dogs barking. I got kids (laughs) screaming. I got all sorts of stuff happening. I love recording at the office. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. It's great. Cool, man. Well, good times. 
And looking forward to it, man. We're down to the final two. Well, not the final two, but we're <laughs> we're almost at two hundred. So we're yeah. we're we're getting there. And we had a cool show planned for number two hundred, you guys. So stick around for that. And if yeah. if it's out already, go listen to it right after this episode comes out. Go listen to it. We're gonna have some fun on it. So cool. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. Definitely jump on biggerpockets.com, create your free account today, and we will see you next time. With that, I'm your host, Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. You have five minutes, man. Tell them yeah, to shut I up. Know. <laughs> well, I have the dog barking. I have uh, – it's uh, – Brooklyn, shut up! <laughs> that would be my dog. That is my dog in, in the closet, like <laughs> going crazy while we're trying to record. And yeah, I'm like an abusive dad, apparently. Yeah. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.